Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Instead of pressuring and pushing our children to please us, we're to be training and instructing them to be pleasing to the Lord. Here's what's sad. Many a parent harshly demands perfection from their children, which will only leave them feeling inadequate and then eventually leave them feeling very bitter and resentful. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Be careful and prayerful in the ways you bring up your children. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches us to lean into Scripture when trying to raise up our children. We don't want to be parents that are harsh towards our children and have them trying to please us. We want to train and instruct our children to be pleasing to the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 6 with part 1 of his message, The Difficulty of Parenting. Today is just going to be one verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. The Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit to the church in Ephesus and says, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about the difficulty of parenting. And this is one of those teachings where I'm going to have to ask you to be patient with me. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to rightly divide God's Word and unpack this big verse. And it is a big verse, which is why we're only taking one verse today. I think it's incumbent upon me, before we jump into this, to mention something that is very important at the onset, so much so that if you hear nothing else that I say today under the direction of the Holy Spirit, then you need to hear this. In and of ourselves, and by way of our own strength, skills, and ability, good parenting, godly parenting, is an utter impossibility. And it's for this reason that My sermon today, my teaching today, will not be riddled with parenting techniques, but instead point us to the wisdom of God's Word. And we have that here before us in this verse today. I hope you know that I'm in no way posturing myself as an expert in the area of parenting. I have made every mistake there is, and my wife and I would be the first to admit that we have fallen short and even continue in this journey we call parenting. But one of the things that we're learning is that any success in parenting comes only because God extends His grace and His mercy not only to us, but certainly 
even more so to our children. And by that I mean God, for my wife and I personally, has not paid us as our parenting failures deserve and instead has been faithful when we were faithless. Oh, would to God that I could go back and do it over again. I guess there's just no do-overs in parenting, is there? As we get into our text, I think it's important that I provide an explanation and with it the application of what Paul is saying here in verse 4. One such explanation is concerning why Paul says that it's fathers that are not to exasperate their children. Why doesn't he say fathers and mothers? The answer is twofold. First, because culturally in the Middle East, and it's like that to this day, the father is the final authority in the home. And it would lend itself to this authoritarian harshness with children. Certainly that was my experience with my father growing up. He was very harsh with me, very hard on me, very disconnected from me. And it caused much in the way of what Paul is writing about here in our text today. A second reason that Paul says fathers is because the mother is naturally more nurturing and is less likely to exasperate children in this way. And this is really what the idea behind the word is, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. It's a a nurturing them training them, disciplining them in the ways of the Lord, the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Now, that's not to say that mothers don't exasperate their children, nor is it to say that fathers don't nurture their children. I think it would be a mistake to not see this exhortation in verse 4 of Ephesians 6 as applying to both fathers and mothers. I think we could safely say that it could read parents, don't exasperate your children. Another question that we need to answer by way of an explanation has to do with the translation of this verse, particularly as it relates to the word exasperating, or as some of your translations render it, provoking. Most translations render it provoking, Fathers, parents, don't provoke your children. But the word carries with it this idea of treating our children in such a way as to make them angry. And I like the translation of the word better as exasperate because it better explains, particularly for fathers, our propensity to irritate frustrate, and infuriate our children. That's what Paul is saying here. And here's what happens. When we do that, it's only a matter of time before our children will become bitter and resentful towards us as their parents. It's interesting in Colossians, the Apostle Paul 
echoes Ephesians 6 concerning husbands and wives, husbands loving their wives, wives respecting their husbands. But he also echoes Ephesians concerning parenting. But it's a little bit different what he says to the Colossian church in chapter 3, verse 21. He says this, Fathers, do not embitter, embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that we can embitter our children by placing unrealistic and even impossible expectations on them. Would you agree? Certainly our intentions may be good, but I think what happens is we do the right thing in the wrong way And oftentimes it's because the parent is trying to relive their lives vicariously through the child. There are serious problems with this, clearly, chief of which is that we set our children up for failure because our way is not the way that God has wired them. I like how one commentator explained it. Wise is the father who understands that his children are not to be molded, but to be unfolded. In other words, you have the privilege, dad, of observing your child carefully, seeing how God made him, and then unfolding what God has built into him from the moment of conception, all for his glory. You know, it's interesting, and for those of us that have more than one child, isn't it interesting how different they are? I mean, seriously, I, our firstborn son, I mean, they had terms like active alert. I don't like that term, because <laughs> active alert means you'll never sleep again because of the way that child is wired. And so, When we had our second son, Levi, a year and a half, almost two years later, he came out and, I mean, he was almost the polar opposite in his temperament than was our firstborn son. And I even remember, I mean, he smiled right out of the womb. And I was so stunned and taken back by that, I actually said to my wife, I think something's wrong with him. He, he was such a happy, easygoing, mild, love. In fact, we call him Lovey Levi. He hates it when we call him that now because he's going to be 18. But we still do <laughs> in front of his friends. We love doing that. But he's the opposite of his older brother who's very intense, focused. I don't know where he gets that from, but anyway... <laughs> And, I mean, he's so intense and so active, and he was walking by nine months of age. I mean, just, and they have, you know, you read all those books that say, man, if they're walking by nine months of age, look out. Well, I only say that because these children that God has given us are wired very differently. And this is why we have... This proverb, this, dare I say, famous proverb in Proverbs 22, verse 6. 
You know it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, it's unfortunate that this proverb has been, for the most part, misunderstood and has led to much debate amongst Bible teachers. I've heard this taught in many different ways, and I've read all the books on this particular proverb, and there is this debate on two fronts, the first of which has to do with the meaning of the way he should go. And then secondly, what it means when it says the child will not depart from it when they're old. I would submit that the correct understanding of this proverb is that we are to train them in the admonition of the Lord according to their particular bent. What's really interesting about the original language is that it carries with it the idea of the midwife. When a baby is born, they would clear the airway of that baby, that newborn. And so you you take that and you transpose it to the understanding of this verse. And you can see it this way, that we're to create a way train them up in the way that's conducive to their particular bent. And it's going to be different for this child than it is for that child. So the promise is, and this is where we also get into some trouble with this proverb, is the promise is that if we do that, then they will continue in that way, in the ways of the Lord, When they're older and as they get older, that's the promise. That's the proverb. That's what it means. This is why the Amplified Bible parenthetically renders Proverbs 22 verse 6 this way. Train up a child in the way he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the promise. Now, let me hasten to add that this proverb does not mean we just let them do whatever their particular bent is. Rather, we are to train and disciple them. And I use the word disciple because it comes from the word discipline. To disciple, to discipline. And by the way... It's the same word in Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, that's translated chastening in the sense of a corrective discipline. We're to correct and direct, to train, to disciple, to discipline them in the ways of the Lord. And we're to customize our training according to the child's bent, correcting and directing them in the ways of the Lord. And it's different for each child. What worked with one child is not going to work with the other child. I learned early on, and I'm still learning, and it's very interesting, the different learning styles that children have. 
This is why some children do not do well in your standard classroom environment. They're kinesthetic learners, and they have to always be moving. And some are tactical learners. They, they, they learn by touch. And then you have visual learners. And I'll tell you, I mean, you have to discern and know and discover what that bent is and that learning ability is in your child. Because it will not only frustrate you to no end, it will frustrate them in the end if you try to train them in the way that they were never wired to be trained. I remember when my my firstborn son was very young, he was a Cubbies in Awanas. We had an Awana charter in the first church that I planted and pastored on the mainland. And so when it came time to, you know, take him to Awanas, we would have to do the, the memory verse. And we would practice, you know, throughout the week. And I would try to, you know, I, I'd say to him, okay, now sit down and let's memorize this verse. And he would look at me with this look like, did you say I have to sit down? Yeah, sit still so we can memorize this verse. All he could think about was, you mean I can't move? No, sit there and let's memorize this verse. Do you know that he never memorized a verse that way? (laughs) Do you want to know why he never memorized a verse that way? Because he's not wired that way. So (laughs) thank God for those who have done and gone before us as parents in this regard (laughs) and written books about this. But I discovered that he's not that kind of a learner. He's the kind of learner that needs to be jumping up and down on a trampoline, hanging from, you know, the ceiling, running around the yard, and he'll memorize every and any verse you ever give him to memorize. And we did that, and he did that. Okay, uh, Elias, why don't you just go ahead and uh, run back and forth and uh, let's memorize. And even in our family devotions, yeah, you can't, this is where I think we get discouraged, you know, with our family altar time when our children are young and we have those family devotions. You got one kid that's over here thinking to himself, I, I can't sit here. I need to be doing something, I need to be moving around. I need, you know, I need stimulation, I need activity. And you got the other child that says, I can't learn that way. Are you kidding me? I need to sit down here and I need to sit still and and take this in. So how are you going to do that? We have to get really creative. And God gives you the grace for that. But our children are given to us with this particular bent. I, I tell you, we have three children. Of course, our daughter, who is now 11, <laughs> and... Not only is there a difference between your children, there's a difference between boys and girls, right? So we're, we're learning. Pray for us because we had to throw out all of our notes on bringing up boys now that we have this daughter who is in a completely different story. So um, I need to get through this teaching. So just hang in there with me. I, I need to do my best here. I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to take the time to point something out here that's in the text, and it's this word instead. I want to draw your attention to this word instead. To me, this word 
not only provides the explanation, but it also provides the application. And I'll explain what I mean. Instead of pressuring and pushing our children to please us, we're to be training and instructing them to be pleasing to the Lord. Here's what's sad. Many a parent harshly demands perfection from their children, which will only leave them feeling inadequate and then eventually leave them feeling very bitter and resentful. And here's why. The child will see their acceptance solely based upon their performance. So in other words, they won't feel loved for who they are. Instead, they'll become discouraged because they're never good enough. And and by the way, our children want to please us, right? So here we are demanding from them that they dance to the beat of our drums, so to speak, And we do err greatly because oftentimes it comes at the expense of what God desires, and that's that they be pleasing to the Lord. How many children will say of their parents, you know, I just could never, it was just never good enough. I come home with B's, why don't you have A's? Come home with C's, why don't you have B's? It's just never good enough. And so here's this child who is wired. God made them to want to please. They they need from us as parents affection, attention, and admiration, and affirmation. They, They need to be affirmed. And this is where positive reinforcement comes in more so than negative reinforcement. Children respond more favorably to that positive direction and correction than they do when we come in from the other side. And we just beat them down. And we're hard on them. And here again, we might have the best of intentions. We do the right thing, but... We do it in the wrong way because we want to push our children to be high achievers, right? You'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but maybe we need to revisit our definition of success. Where are the goalposts for your children? We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Ephesians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app for Apple and Android devices, too, so you can take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. Download from your app store or find a link at inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the Mideast Prophecy Update. 
Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to catch the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website and click on the YouTube link. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you join us as we praise the Lord and learn from His Word. Find out more at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. That's all we have time for today. Pastor J.D. will have much more to share with us from Ephesians when you join us again right here on In Spirit and Truth Radio. Holy me to 